welcome to this week's episode of the Making It in Asheville podcast. This is your neighborhood podcast, where each week we sit down with a Asheville local, an entrepreneur, maker, community leader, uh, and ask them what they are making and how they are making it in Asheville. And this week, we are sitting down with Ashton Zager of Ashton Zager Fiber Arts. You may know her from Instagram. You may not. Uh, the, the truth is I didn't know that fiber arts were necessarily like an arts category until I started seeing these like unbelievably beautiful, I'll say woven. I don't know if that's true. Uh, woven tapestry designed thingies on Instagram. And we said, Hey, let's reach out to Ashton. Let's see what's going on over there. Because this to me, and I don't want to, I don't want to oversimplify, but it seems like a very accessible like business story. Sometimes when people are doing uh, the, you know, dozens of employees buying commercial real estate, like we have some guests who are doing like almost too far to be true businesses. But like, I like to assume that if we put our hearts and minds into a craft, there's a business to be built. And it seems like you've built a really interesting and exciting business. And for that, uh, I have all these questions. But, but before we get into them, Ashton, please introduce yourself to the podcast audience. Hi, I'm Ashton Zager of Ashton Zager Fiber Arts, uh, weaver, weaving instructor, Enneagram Three Wing Two, Pisces, <laughs> wife, mother. Love, Hi. love that. That is so. What it? What that is like a? I sometimes say, you know, in a tweet, introduce yourself. But that seemed like in a that was like a Instagram bio. Introduce yourself. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so I'm not wrong to say uh, fiber arts are woven. Yes, typically there's okay. there's, a, there's a handful of categories. My main um, shtick is weaving for sure. Mm. Um, but there's macrame. There's there's all sorts of is my primary niche yes mm, okay uh and so maybe let's I, I would be interested in knowing what uh what what uh, how do you fiber arts so i'm thinking uh is that like i don't know uh cotton and wool what, what are fiber arts yeah okay i mean it can be anything i um i prefer to use mostly natural um fibers so i do lots of wool lots of cotton um you know some alpaca and all sorts of things in there um but i personally don't use acrylics for the most part um but it can be anything some some vegan fiber artists will use acrylics and cotton and other things um but yeah it can be all sorts of stuff i'm fascinated and uh to 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 give a concept for the listener out there who perhaps like me not long ago, uh, still doesn't necessarily know what a fiber art. Uh, am I thinking like, are you making uh, rugs, tapestries, uh, blankets? Like what is a, what, what, what happens? At, what is a finished product in a fiber art? I primarily make uh, tapestry wall hangings. Um, I've dabbled in some woven jewelry, like earrings um, and necklaces. And I, have not really done much like um, pra practical fiber art, like where I might make a a pot holder or or something like that. But that would fall under the umbrella of fiber art textiles. Um, haven't been there yet, but yeah, mine is mostly decorative um, wall hangings, 
I recently got into spinning a little bit, spinning yarn um, with wool. Um, mm. But that's super new and just fun. Um, but that would also fall under the umbrella of fiber arts. And um, yeah. So uh, it, and spinning, just to follow that thread for, for a second, spinning, would that mean that you take just like clumps of wool and turn it into thread? Yarn. 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 Yep. Ha. Not thread. Yep. Not, I don't do too much of the like yeah. fine stuff that would be, um, you know, more usable, like in clothing and stuff like <laughs> sure. that. But yarn, um, art yarn is, is technically kind of what I make. It's messy and <laughs> kind of impractical. And you, what I spend, you wouldn't want to use for anything other than weaving probably because it's pretty bulky and messy and just fun. Cool. Um, yeah, it's been really fun to just kind of bring and see um, that segment of the fiber arts world. Um, and I have no idea where it's going, but it's been really fun. <laughs> that is helpful. I have a understanding, general understanding of fiber arts as a finished product concept art and sometimes practical. This isn't necessarily practical, but but it's one thing to have like an interest in a hobby. It's another thing to have a like a small business that you're running where you're taking this curiosity and interest and passion. And so I'd love, like, where are you as a business owner today? What does the business look like for you? Yeah. So the business, um, I make my own art, obviously I have an ebook on round weaving, um, which is, I guess maybe another specialty of mine is round weaving as opposed to weaving on like a loom. I personally do both, um, but I don't teach weaving on a loom at the moment. So my ebook is a pretty important part of our business because um, people can purchase that and learn with no prior experience um, and um, be able to do it. We distribute kits. And when I say we, I mean me and my husband, because mm -hmm. about a little over a year ago, my husband joined me in um, making this our full-time income, which is crazy and cool and my husband um does almost all of the manufacturing of the kits like balling up the yarn um and all of the little details getting it into the box um i curate it he i curate it and order it and then he puts it all together and we sell it um and yeah i guess those are kind of the main segments of our business is i make art i do also do my woven earrings but that's a pretty kind of small part um of the biz um it's more of a hobby than it is like a financial um i don't know like big contributor sure. of the whole thing sure and, and then am, am i right to hear that the progress or the progression was uh make art make art make art teach art deliver a kit is that yes. like okay yeah, I um, I mean, gosh, weaving was absolutely just a, f a fun one-time project when I first started doing it. I did not like set out, A, to be an artist or B, to make a business out of this whole thing. It was just a random project I was going to do. And then I did it again, and I did it again, and I did it again, and then I started selling it. And um, when my older son was about eight months old. I decided that it was time for me to leave my full-time job. I started pursuing weaving more while also pursuing other things. Um, 
but all the while in my head I was like it would be really cool if weaving could end up being more of my job um that would have been in 2016 17 ish wow um which gosh feels like forever ago but it's not and um yeah I pretty quickly realized like it would be really hard to quote make it by only making and selling art you know, I want, I knew that I needed to probably, um, branch out and, um, try to capitalize in as many categories as possible. So I started teaching, um, in-person workshops and then in 2018, 19, no, 18, sorry. 2018 is when I launched my ebook. Mm. And that was really, that was a big step, um, in just kind of legitimizing myself as a teacher and also reaching more people mostly on the internet world and um and then kits came after that and yeah it's been a a wild kind of fast-ish ride yeah um and so to to not to you know overly make something about metrics you have a very substantial instagram following is that where people find you primarily yeah primarily um yep instagram i (laughs) sometimes people will ask me like what my marketing strategy is and i'm like i, I post things on my story <laughs> and then they saw yeah which sounds lame and lazy but i'm yeah i'm really grateful for that platform because it does make um it all just kind of happen in one place i post things on instagram and people find me and then they buy it <laughs> that's amazing yeah that's the uh the dream realized you are uh you're in it so um to 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 think I guess back, you you mentioned how it started as a single project. What what was that first project? That was a wall hanging for my older sister, Christmas of 2016. Uh, Casey and I were a little over a year. We're we'd been married about a year and a half, and we had no money, which I think is you know pretty much everyone's newlywed story um and I was making all of our Christmas presents and so I was just looking for random crafts on Pinterest um and I found a very basic weaving tutorial my first loom was made out of like scrap wood and nails um and I made a wall hanging for my sister that wall hanging now lives in a shoebox because it fell apart because I had no idea what I was doing um but I loved it and yeah, it just I just kind of kept going. And and did you love it? I'm, 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 my assumption is that there's some form of meditation that happens when you're weaving a thing. Not really weaved much. I think I braided, <laughs> I braided a couple things, but not really weaved maybe ever. And so I have to imagine there's some sort of like, you know, when I do the dishes, sometimes I'll be like, where did I just go? Like I was just yeah. like, that was, I'm not. I left the space. I kept doing the thing, but like I wasn't in the kitchen anymore. So is it, is there something meditation like that happens? It's, it is that, I mean, like, yeah, it is that it is a, and in the beginning, it's maybe less of a, like, um, like a mind numbing endeavor, but there, but it also is, um, the only reason I say it's not in the beginning is because you're a little nervous Mm -hmm. and you have a little, you have to pay a little more attention um, but as you get more comfortable with it, it is for sure just like that where you, you zone out and it's just all kind of coming together. And I think that there's definitely an element of like, 
I made something and it didn't fall apart. Like, whoa, look at that. (laughs) I I believe it. And I mean, that's, I think that's true. (laughs) They call that kind of zone thing, the, uh, like a flow state. And I think that's true. If you're uh, past the edge, you're alert because it's now frightening and scary and you don't, you know, there's, you're outside of your comfort zone. And if you're below it, it's boring and you're not actually paying attention and it's different. It's not that same kind of uh, energy. And so I'd imagine that the first time you might've like tasted it for a second. My example of that is I'm not a golfer, but I've gone to Mm -hmm. a driving range a couple of times. I've done top golf now two or three times. All you got to do is hit a ball once well to go, Ooh, I think I could do, I would like to do that again, (laughs) you know? And like, (laughs) exactly. That's exactly the sensation for sure. Cool. So there's like a moment in that first time where you're like, this was interesting. I know it's not necessarily pro, but I would do that again. Yes. Because I think like every, I I always talk about like curiosity a lot of times, Mm, you know, like you try something out and then it's like, oh, but what if I did it that way? And what if I did it in that color? And what if I played with that texture? And there's, it's like every step of the project, it feels like there's another question to be answered and you just keep going. And I think that um, there's a lot of metaphors in that. And I think that there's a, an element of making something with your hands that you can see that you can you know, when it's all over, like put on a wall and look at a creation that you made, you know, there's got, there's gratification in that. And I think, um, maybe especially in the modern day world, like that's rare that, that we make something slowly with our two hands, something physical. Um, and so it's not like in the beginning I was processing all of that that I just said, but just looking back on like, well, why did it feel good? I think that all of that was probably in there, like why I was attracted to it and obviously why it has, you know, why I've kept going. Mm. I I support that fully. I think um, I think young people specifically and then even, you know, older folk who uh, are are waiting for this like miracle of passion to show up um, have it backwards typically. And I I always advocate for following curiosity, pursuing the curious. Uh, I I have to imagine if you went back to 2014, I think that was when the story about started. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I were to say, you're going to be passionate about fiber arts, you'd say, no way. Like, that's not a thing that I care about right now at all. (laughs) But you, you you know, you pulled on the thread of curiosity. And now here you are running a, you know, fiber arts business with multiple channels of revenue. And holy Mm -hmm. moly, that wasn't uh, the passion I can't imagine came first. Yeah, no, no. I, oh my gosh, I never... I would have thought you were crazy if you would have told me that. Because I didn't even grow up artistic. Like, I truly didn't. I grew up a jack. I was a soccer player. I took the the one art class that I was required to take in high school. And, like, I I was not crafty. I was not creative. I just never would have thought that this would be a profession mm. that I would go into. Um, let alone something that supports my family. And we're all involved. And that's cool. Um 
Yeah. That's an interesting thought. So I, um, I, uh, I'm, I wasn't an artist. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is a little bit of like a deep pivot here, but h- how has that, uh, self identification or, or like how has your ego evolved or like sense of I changed? Because at some point, when you started, you probably still believed this, I'll call it a lie, that you weren't artistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how was there struggle in, you know, like shedding that skin and letting yes. go of that belief? Yes. I, when you said I wasn't an artist, I was like, I did say that sentence. I think I was always an artist. I mm. think I was always, I think I did always have creativity in me. Um, and I don't think that art is all this kind of stuff. You know, I, when I look back, I'm like, well, I was always drawn to like cooking and I was always drawn to like decorating. And so I can see those creative like yearnings in me. I just wouldn't have identified it as that. Um, it took many years for me to wear the title as artist. Um, I think that I think that when, when Louis was, you know, eight months old and I left my job to pursue going back to school and also weaving, I think that that was the time when I was, um, letting myself say I'm an artist. (laughs) I just, I didn't even say it for the longest time. I said, yeah, sometimes I make weavings. (laughs) Um, but to answer that and say, yeah, I'm an artist and I am this and whatever, that was a big moment. And, um, gosh, imposter syndrome is, has been a a part of every step of this whole thing and probably will continue to, um, and it'll just look in in different ways. There'll probably always pop up. Um, but yeah, there have been big, big moments of leaps where I'm like, you know what I am, I am going to say this. I am going to own this. I am going to believe this about myself. Mm. Um, yeah, you might have heard Range Urgent Care on our podcast. Husband and wife team lives right here in Asheville, building a better urgent care model. What are they doing? They're making scheduling seamless and straightforward and honest when they say they'll see you at 4 p.m. You'll be seen at 4 p.m. They make pricing straightforward as well. 149 a visit or less if you subscribe to an annual subscription, which I do. It costs me $30 a month, and I love the peace of mind. But not just that. You don't just get to go in person. You can do virtual visits uh, over your computer or over your phone, and they'll even come to you. They'll do home visits. And to me, I mean, it seems like a absolute no-brainer. You can bring they have family plans. They have business plans. To me, it's a peace of mind thing. It, it makes me feel confident and comfortable knowing that I can see range uh, in my subscription a number of times a year and it's built into my my plan. I will not be surprised by a crazy cost and it is covered by most major insurance policies. So if you haven't heard of Range Urgent Care, I welcome you to check out that episode with the power couple that runs it. You can check out makingitinashville.com forward slash range. 
makingitinashville.com forward slash range to read more about these subscription options and get links to the range website using our link or using our discount code of making it in Asheville will get you a free month in an annual subscription. Again, range urgent care. You can say that we sent you or visit makingitinashville.com forward slash range. Am I, um, um, to try and put those steps into a timeline of sorts, um, like for those following along at home, right? So you have this, uh, first artistic endeavor. Ooh, this is interesting. It's, it didn't do so bad as to never want to do it again. Let's (laughs) try this again. Curiosity, curiosity. Oh my God, I've made now however many, and it's been however long, uh, and I, I am aware now that there's this deep well within me that I've only ever maybe seen an edge of or the surface of, uh, what happens now? And you quit your job and you're like, well, <laughs> now there's just even more room to explore this space that I am not necessarily fully acquainted with. Uh, and now the identity changes from a person who is not artistic and sometimes makes it things to an artist who's like exploring an art form is the next major crisis of identity when you're like who do i think i am trying to teach someone this yes absolutely i or or is it maybe even like selling had you sold anything when that identity changed maybe selling something for the first time i just i'm wondering what happens next so i (laughs) so my dad's an entrepreneur and i think that that is part of the reason why I have become an entrepreneur. I think that I grew up watching my father and what I, the way that I articulate it is it's like we have an ignorance to failure. Mm. Important. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not saying that I don't have moments and seasons of incredible self-doubt, but when I look back on like when I have taken these leaps, I, I sometimes I'm like, why wasn't I more afraid? Like, that's interesting that I actually took that leap. Why wasn't I more afraid? And I'm like, oh, that's because I'm my father's daughter. And we have at times this ignorance of failure. (laughs) Um, So I, yeah, I, I started selling like on Etsy, Mm -hmm. I think probably around the six month mark. I had no right to be on Etsy. They were not good, but I, I have business mind and it was like, well, I'm making this product. Let's see if I can make some money. And, and sorry for, for, for clarification, how long? might a project take to make because they're um, not um they're not insignificantly priced based on you know the, the quick look at your website i'm like oh okay it's a couple hundred bucks but then i'm like oh well how many hours might that have taken mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like a terrible rate like hourly rate um to have something hand like that sounds right uh, but i have no idea. how long would it take yeah, so they they obviously range depending on size yeah. and depending on what technique I'm using. But some of my smaller works that are in like the two hundred dollar range might take two to three hours, and some of my larger works that are, you know, if it's a round weaving and it's fourteen inches wide, um, that might take me in the fifteen hour range. Plus, oh, smokes. yeah. Um, I guess the 14 inches is probably medium. I've done all the way up to like 27 inches wide on a round weaving and on like a tapestry weaving that I would have woven on a loom. I think I've gone as big as 50 inches wide. Um, which when I say that, I'm like, why haven't I gone bigger? That doesn't, <laughs> but 
Yeah, the one piece that I've made that was 50 inches wide probably took 70-ish hours. Wow. I mean, I worked on it for months. Yeah. And and um, I, and to be clear, uh, I don't want any misconceptions here. I don't think that uh, the amount of time an artist puts into art has any, you know, basis on the value. But it, it is a proxy by which to understand, like, what does this art look like to create, right? Yes. No, yeah. yeah I think that people are often surprised at how long um, they take. And yeah, if I document like an in-process thing on Instagram, they're like, dang, that little section took two hours, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, heard. Okay, so uh, I apologize. That was a tangent yeah, to exactly. just get a sense of what is the scope of a project and where are we? Okay, so you're six months in and Etsy. Yeah, six months in, I started selling on Etsy. I, somewhere around the year mark, I saw someone... Um, do like a pop-up at West Elm outlet. Mm. And I was like, West Elm, that is such a big deal. And I just shot him an email. Hey, my name's Ashton Zager. I wondered if you guys would ever be interested in having me come for a pop-up. And they said, yes. And that's a theme in kind of every step that I've taken. It's just a simple, what if I shoot an email expecting, like, I have no idea how it's going to go. And Mm. maybe they say yes, or maybe they say no. Um, so I, I did my pop-up at West Elm around the one year mark. Um, I guess I was at the three year mark when things really shifted. Cause for those first three years, I was working a different job full time. I went through pregnancy. I had my first son, um, weaving was all over the place in that, um, in just finding little bits and pieces, but it was for sure always, my place of rest, like mm. my, my time, my me time, my, my thing that I would do that was only for me. Um, yeah. So like the pace of like when I was, when I was weaving was all over the place in those first three years. And then when I left my job, which honestly was more about the fact that that job just wasn't working for me anymore um, in that season and less of like <laughs> weaving is legitimate enough for me to like, take a leap like it wasn't that it was just that that job wasn't working out mm. and then I had these hopes and and it worked out <laughs> um but it's not like I had anything substantial beforehand that I was like taking a gamble on it's like no there's nothing I've made a couple of Etsy sales over the past couple of years but this is not a job <laughs> yeah so it's um, not like a uh, product was flying off of the Etsy shelf and you couldn't no. you couldn't possibly produce enough to keep up uh no. okay it's good to know yeah and in those first months um I quit like in May and so I had the summer I remember there was a day I went door to door (laughs) at businesses in downtown uh asking if anybody would like to consign my work there are places that like do that I just didn't know about it Mm -hmm. I just was like I know that there are businesses with walls I wonder if they want to put my pieces up and mountain lights i don't know if you remember this place i think they shut down like two years ago which makes me very sad um we moved mountain here two lights. years ago so i, I oh, do okay. not remember mountain lights unfortunately they're they're on lexington like right across the street from duncan and york hmm. um but i remember this sweet lady that ran it um i'm very sad that i don't know her name i'm a little ashamed of that but she the way that she looked at me it's like she was laughing not at me I think she just really saw me like trying like here's a girl she's walking in she's sweaty <laughs> a 
holding a bunch of weavings. And she said yes to me. I remember when she wrote me my first check and I was like, oh my gosh, I have weavings in a store. Like not just in an Etsy shop, but like there's a store and my work is there. And that is the coolest thing in the world. Um, and it's sold. And it's, it's sold. Anyway, I had a few pieces that sold there and that was super cool. And then, um, yeah, my, my first year of like pursuing it, pursuing weaving, and I was doing a little bit of school and I was being a full-time mom. Um, the the pace of like sales and stuff like that was still a little bit all over the place. Um, I got pregnant again <laughs> on accident. <laughs> and so in that actually during, when I was pregnant with my youngest son, Hank, is when I decided to pursue my ebook. Mm. Sorry, I was trying to remember like what came next. Um, but that's when I decided to, decided to start pursuing my ebook. Um, and that was after I had a friend who runs women's retreats hmm. and she was like, Hey, would you be willing to teach a workshop on weaving? And I had never taught it before, <laughs> but I said, yes, even though again, here's the theme of like, I don't really have any credentials to like, no one checks credentials, be able to like call myself a teacher sure? or like find myself, uh, with knowledge enough to teach anybody but i said yes because she asked me and i was like that could be cool it didn't go terribly i taught some people how to weave and i in that workshop was like i think that i have some things to say (laughs) like i went into it feeling like everything i know is from you know random tutorials that other people have shared with me um And that's who I am. And then I left that workshop being like, I actually think that I have a little bit of knowledge that's just me, (laughs) you know, a little bit of things to say that maybe, maybe I do know more. Maybe, maybe I am like capable of teaching some people some things, you know, like I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that I did. I didn't think that I, I didn't like set out to teach people. I just had this opportunity fall into my lap. Mm-hmm. And then when I did it, I found that I enjoyed it and that I was able to teach, but I didn't know that I just yeah. went for it. Um, and after that, I decided to write my ebook cause I'd, I'd seen a couple of other people doing ebooks and was like, well, that's a really smart business move. And um, obviously a, a cool tool to be able to offer people um, one that would make it really accessible. I did it. Um, weaving in the round is the name of my ebook and I decided to do round weaving as opposed to weaving on a loom because of multiple reasons. One, I didn't see anybody else doing ebooks specifically on round weaving. And so I was like, you know, there's something that's unique. Um, but then two, when people weave on round weaving, mm. um, and they show it to you. Yeah. They, uh, shout out to the YouTube channel. I was just about to ask, I just imagine that you had a, when you said around, it's like you would make some sort of like a spiral from the center out is weaving from the round. I didn't know what to expect. That is very helpful visual aid. Thank you. Yeah. So it looks like a bicycle wheel, tons of spokes. And mm-hmm. I guess you're using those spokes as a place to weave in and out of. Does that sound yes. right? Yes. So the spokes are called the warp. Warp. And if you were looking at a loom, which... This is what I mean when I say loom. Mm. Um, That's the threads that are like up and down. Um, Your warp is what you weave onto. So with round weaving, it's not all up and down. It's more of a bicycle spoke. And there's there's a handful of ways to 
warp up around loom, but uh, or not around loom, around hoop. Hmm. Um, because this is just a steel hoop that you can get at like any craft store. Um, it does, does, the, does the hoop stay in at the end? Yes. Okay. And that's, I think, kind of a, a Structural distinguishing thing. teaching thing that okay. I think people have enjoyed in learning from me is this is how I teach people, not necessarily on a loom that you would have to cut it off of mm-hmm. and then reattach onto something else. I'm like, no, it all stays here. Yeah. You don't have to get anything. Yeah, it's like off a it's like a one pot uh, dinner recipe. Yes, like exactly. Yeah, great. <laughs> that uh, very helpful. Again, bicycle wheel or like a square, more traditional loom, uh, which looked like uh, my wife does a lot of Italian food things. Looked like a little like a pasta tool is what that reminded me of, <laughs> like a little spaghetti maker. But uh, yeah. yeah. But very cool. Okay, so you went, the book uh, Book is Weaving in the Round? Weaving in the Round, yes. Okay. And that's, and... Uh, that is a cool uh, niche or distinction that you chose to go after. I like that strategically. Yes, yeah, for, for a handful of reasons. Um, my ebook launched in 2018. I think it was, I think it was like December 1, 2018. We sold 11 pre-orders and that felt huge. It was like 11 whole people wanted to buy this and it launched and it, it just trickled. And then I think like a lot of businesses, there was a boom. Um, January of 2020 actually was when my boom was not the beginning of pandemic. It was January, 2020. Um, I don't even know what exactly happened that specific January, but it was like all of a sudden, my ebook is being downloaded left and right and people are buying my kits and it just kind of exploded. I think maybe there was like a new year's energy yeah. slash I had gained um, a good amount of followers that previous fall. And yeah, I don't know. January, 2020 was a very defining moment in this whole thing. Per- perfect. Let's pause the timeline here. And I want to, I want to restate some of the history because I, I, a couple moments that are that you kind of move through quickly that I think are not uh, inconsequential and huge, and I just want to highlight them. One, uh, I've seen, and this is a m- me seeing, I've seen that there is a tendency in an artist type to make a thing, uh, say that it is available for sale on their website or on Etsy or whatever. And then wonder how or why it's not selling and their activity, their busyness in their business uh, has them make more and more and more product, which continues to not necessarily sell. And whether or not this is just a singular moment that you had one day or is indicative of who you were as a early stage craft maker the fact that you were like pounding the pavement to put product on walls is i don't think necessarily normal for <laughs> f- for an artist type like it's potentially very uncomfortable for some but to me that is um you know the definition of what it often most times will take is exposure like you you, you can't you can't build in a vacuum. You can't sell to someone who doesn't know that you exist. And while there are many digital ways to work towards uh, exposure, there's some old school ways 
that are sometimes tried and true. And one of them is knocking on doors and meeting yeah. people and asking to put stuff on a wall. So I just want to like honor that and say, wow, <laughs> that's a big deal. Yeah, I I love that I did that. It, I mean, there was no guarantee that anything was going to come out of that day. But I think that that story is, uh, I don't know, telling of my attitude at that point of like, I'm just trying. I'm just yeah. going to try hard. And I'm just going to see what happens. And I want this. I would love for this to work out i enjoy this craft and so i want it to be sold to people so sure. i can keep doing it and, and justify that financial not justify that financially but you know like yeah. make it turn it into something else um and yeah i love that i did that um i think of myself on that day very often and i'm like i'm so grateful for you <laughs> yeah like it, <laughs> that's a vulnerable thing for sure. and and i did it and you did it. And, and, and then, you know, perhaps l less fear inducing, but perhaps as equally um, or more is saying yes to a friend who does women's retreats to teach a lesson like uh, that evolution from like learner to seller to teacher isn't uh, those are big like moments those are those are substantial steps in the step graph of of identity and uh i am a big believer in like educating and teaching and um as a way to just like learn yourself right and to get Absolutely. like a deeper knowledge and awareness of like what do i think i even know um yes. <laughs> and so uh saying yes to that seems like a huge moment um mm -hmm. did you do like after that did you then reach out to like craft centers and say, Hey, I'll teach weaving or like, was there more instruction or was that just this moment where you're like, Oh, that's this new thing. And I need to make an ebook because that progression from teaching and like practically teaching, there are humans around me. I'm saying, Oh no, don't do. Uh, so it's like that, but it's this actually, it's specifically mm -hmm. this, um, is very different than, you know, writing potentially thousands of words and dozens of pages or hundreds of pages like uh those are two routes towards education that are not yeah. necessarily the same route like not necessarily yeah. the same person always yes i so i did that retreat that would have been mm, october yeah october 2018 um and then i started doing some in-person workshops here mm -hmm. i actually went back to um the west Elm outlet um, I just reached out to them said, Hey, <clears throat> sorry, I would love to do a weaving workshop. Would you be willing to let me set up shop there? They said, yes. Mm. <laughs> you know, again, just like throw it out there. What do you think? Um, so I did one there and then I want to say I had like pretty shortly after that is when I got in contact with the Nest Boutique in mm. Biltmore Village. Um, they'd reached out to me, I think because they knew my friend April and asked me the first thing I did with with them was like a holiday show that same year 2018 um and then they asked if they wanted if I wanted to start teaching workshops there um because they have like a workshop space in the back of their boutique and so I did I did like I think I did one like every other month for a good while for mm -hmm. over a year um and yeah the ebook was was kind of and I think that maybe like obviously yes like I could have just stayed teaching 
in-person workshops, I think that the desire to do an ebook was because of my online audience mm-hmm. and, you know, people that don't live here yeah, that yeah. I could, could, could teach and, and get the information in their hands without, you know, like I could do it once and then they could, they can go and wide the, and far. And, and then the machine makes you money. And so that is yeah. to me, like I, I, I am wondering it, that is the first moment where you've talked about an ebook in the way that sometimes my brain goes to ebook, which is you now have a scalable product. You now have a product that can make you money without you being in the room, without you, yep. uh, without them being in the room, without mm-hmm. a bunch of these, uh, you know, without having to spend 70 hours making a 50 inch wide, you know, like there are all of yeah. these inputs that um, now scale, right? So you, you spend 50 hours on the ebook and it makes you ten, twenty, thirty dollars, whatever it is, mm-hmm. every day, in perpetuity, forever, as long as more people continue to see you. How exciting yep. of a concept! Yes. Um, and and it it seems to me that uh, there is a tendency at times, like those who are artists who make a thing, don't know why it's not selling, continue to make a thing. Uh, there's a tendency in the uh, four hour work week, <laughs> get rich. Uh, influencer world to start with an ebook <laughs> and wonder why no one's downloading it. <laughs> yes. And so your ebook seems to, with more clarity, come far enough back into your story or, or you know, late enough in your progression that there was an audience of people who had already gone to all your classes. I think that teaching also just made me realize how much knowledge I had from my own craft to share. Um, so some of the things that went into my ebook was directly from, um, the teaching and learning from my students, you know, like how best to teach people, what kind of knowledge they would need to be given, you know, to start this whole thing. Um, but also just having a desire to share what I have learned in my own craft, um, that would set them up to be where I was at, you know, a couple months in mm-hmm. to my leaving journey. Cause I knew hardly anything. So it was like, I can give you kind of a crash course. Um, because that's definitely one of my postures as a teacher is like, I don't necessarily want to teach you every detail of what I do in my personal craft. What I want to do is give you, um, like a base. I want to give you, uh, a stepping off point for you to go off on your own journey, not necessarily to make, just copy me. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be a foundation. And so, yeah, that's, that was kind of my posture towards the ebook is to give them that is to give them the foundation. Um, because that's, that's why I wanted to be able to teach people not necessarily so they can make, a pretty thing to go on their wall, but so that they could potentially um, enjoy this craft in the way that I do for it to be, you know, a therapeutic thing that they could do. That's just for them, which is what it's always been for me. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Sure. But that like distinction. Yeah. And this was December <laughs> of 2019. And you yeah. said it was about a month before things. No, sorry, December 2018. Oh, okay. So you, you had the book for over a year. It was published and able to be downloaded. Was it for, directly from your website or were you using anything for yes, a download? Directly, directly from my website. When I left my job um, in 20, 
my timeline is getting bad now. Yeah, totally. I think that was 2017. That's when I made my own website and I stepped away from Etsy. Okay. Etsy's great. Um, but I just from looking at my stats was like all of my traction, all of, all of my traffic is coming from Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I made my own, my own website on Squarespace so that I didn't have to share my profits. That makes a lot of sense um, to me. So, uh, yeah. the, the gift of Etsy for those keeping score at home is, you know, the idea of discovery, right? That's, uh, mm-hmm. the platform. People go to the platform to look for a thing. If you do that thing well enough, they give you eyeballs. Those eyeballs become dollars, which is cool. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. but if you have your own brand, if you have your own audience and you send your audience to the platform and they buy you specifically, you are probably not doing yourself a, a service in keeping them involved in the equation. So it is sounds right and appropriate that you transition away from Etsy um, mm-hmm. in, into your own website. Delivery from uh, your website for the ebook is is cool. So you have a year's worth of this ebook, and you have like an Instagram following that's growing that whole year. Like, what is what does it yeah. look like? Um, because at some point there's a critical mass that has to happen. Um, but are you, are you feeling like no one cares or like, you know, getting unfollows from high school friends and you're like, Oh, I'm being so dumb. Like, what am I doing? Like, what is, what is marketing look like? Marketing at that point in like, you know, maybe the slow distribution of my e-bag at first, it was less that I, um, doubted the product and more of like it feels like the right eyes just haven't seen it yet um so at that point in time i had around fifteen thousand followers ish um i remember i grew from 10 to 5 sorry 10 to fifteen thousand um in 2018 i'll say 99 percent of humans do not get to five right uh on instagram so five to ten to fifteen are meaningful jumps what's happening what how are you how is that happening just every day you're 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 documenting what what is it what does it look like yes at that point in time i was pretty uh, i was listening to the social media gurus you know i was posting every day i was listening and reading to you know tips on how to engage people um which gosh sounds so like fake (laughs) but there are legitimate like tools to being able to communicate to people, especially on social media. And so at that point in time, I was pretty like, I was trying really hard to do the things to share about me and my work in a way that was captivating. Um, and I was learning a lot about that. So yes, this should have been, that was that jump from 10 to 15 was January, 2019 through like, September ish. Um, and yeah, I remember when I hit the 10,000 mark, um, that was a really big deal because you get the swipe up mm. and that, you know, like eliminating those steps, being able to have someone swipe up was a huge deal. It wasn't like go to the link in my bio and do all of this yeah, and, where there's seven um, links and click on the next link. And you're, yeah. you're now seven actions away <laughs> from the action I actually want you to do. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's, it's huge. 10 K huge. Yeah. And that happens in 2019. Happens in 2019. I'm, you know, I'm sharing some free tutorials. I'm doing a lot of behind the scenes, all of that. And then, um, 
September 2019, my my younger son Hank passed away. Um, which I talk about imposter syndrome and that story of my business is that the imposter syndrome is heavy there um, because it was a big jump for my business. I, at that point, like was pretty, um, I would share about her family. I would talk about motherhood. I would talk about mother struggles and and that was a way that I was engaging people and my my son died mm-hmm. um in a choking accident and I shared that with the internet and um it kind of went viral and everything sold out um I gained around 5000 followers in like a month um and and since then, my tone on social media has changed. I'm obviously still an artist and a teacher. Um, I'm also, I think, a writer. <laughs> I, I write about grief. I write about Hank. I write about love. Um, I share about what life after has been like, um, what creating and, and being a mother you know, that tone is, wow. is totally different and changed. And um, sorry, I'm having a hard time yeah. no, <laughs> deciding I... where the story goes from there. But but that is that's a pivotal moment <laughs> for our business. That was a really big change. Obviously, because it was just a big change in my life, but also like the demand for my work changed. Yeah. Um, You might have heard Range Urgent Care on our podcast. Husband and wife team lives right here in Asheville, building a better urgent care model. What are they doing? They're making scheduling seamless and straightforward and honest. When they say they'll see you at 4 p.m., you'll be seen at 4 p.m. They make pricing straightforward as well. $149 a visit or less if you subscribe to an annual subscription, which I do, it costs me $30 a month, and I love the peace of mind. But not just that, you don't just get to go in person, you can do virtual visits uh, over your computer, or over your phone, and they'll even come to you, they'll do home visits. And to me, I mean, it seems like a absolute no-brainer. You can bring, they have family plans, they have business plans. To me, it's a peace of mind thing. It, it makes me feel confident and comfortable knowing that I can see range uh, in my subscription a number of times a year and it's built into my my plan. I will not be surprised by a crazy cost and it is covered by most major insurance policies. So if you haven't heard of Range Urgent Care, I welcome you to check out that episode with the power couple that runs it. You can check out makingitinashville.com forward slash range makingitinashville.com forward slash range to read more about these subscription options and get links to the range website using our link or using our discount code of making it in Asheville will get you a free month in an annual subscription. Again, range urgent care. You can say that we sent you or visit makingitinashville.com forward slash range. wild and i'm so sorry that's uh it seems that you've done a lot of emotional and and work uh on that in that yeah where where i'm wow 
so I, yeah, hard to know where the story goes from there. Yeah. What, sorry. what, uh, no, it, it's, thank you for sharing and I'm sorry. And, uh, that's an example of calamity as an entrepreneur that like a blind side at a scale that I inconceivable currently for me. Um, it seems like there was immediate support from people who knew you and didn't know you. Yes. Um, yes, there was this auction for Ashton, Mm. um, that blew me away. Um, just the, these two girls on Instagram, two fiber artists who I've never met. I had never met them in, in person. Um, but people who wanted to raise support for our family. And it was this, it feels so huge to me. It was huge. I mean, like my weaving heroes, I think there were 183 people who donated items to be auctioned off. Wild. They raised like $17,000 for our family. Um, and it wasn't just people. It was my weaving heroes. It was my weaving friends you know most of them i've never met in real life we just have this social media relationship with people who loved us love us um that started this auction and and raised money for our family we have a great community here Mm. um and i could i could spend an hour talking about the ways that it felt like every, every corner of the earth reached out um to love us and carry us and um be with us um and that goes i mean obviously like the the whole thing was a big deal um with this worst thing that ever happened to me i also gained just such admiration for people and for Mm -hmm. humanity and for goodness and it was like oh wow i am loved uh, people care like social media you know it has its cons but it also you make real connections and um I will never forget just the the ways that I felt so known and cared about and um I didn't exactly know where to go with the business after that mm. um obviously I'm you know, we're trying to take care of our family. We we were kind of in a, a season of transition right before that happened anyways. My husband, um, he used to work at Christ School, and he had left that job that summer. And he was working a job that was just kind of a job, and he didn't exactly know what he was going to do after that. And so, I mean, this was July. Um, my business was revving up. Um, Hank passed away in September, and it was... Like everything was already changing and then Mm -hmm. everything changed and, um, my business blew up. I, I spent a, a a couple months kind of not doing much of anything as far as like making things to sell. I, um, and I, and I knew that pretty immediately, like I'm going to be weaving because I love to weave. Um, but I'm taking a little bit of a step back from the business that didn't last long <laughs> before I was ready um, to start going hard after the business again. Um, but I'm really grateful that I did that. I took mm. a good 
two months, I think, of like literally selling nothing. And I might have taken longer, but then it was holiday season. Mm. And I'd applied for all of these like holiday shows, like the Big Crafty and um, a handful of other ones like that previous summer yeah. before Hank died. Yeah. And Hank died, Hank died, and I get all these acceptances, and it's like, oh, well, I wasn't planning on doing anything, but I have these opportunities, and I guess I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And, um, yeah, that holiday season was something. Um, our story kind of going viral in the way that it did made me not super... <laughs> excited to like be out in public um for a lot of reasons obviously like seeing kids that are hank's age like that was triggering and mm. um, also like i had a couple of instances where like i someone would recognize me in public and i caused emotional reactions like without meaning to people mm. just saw me and they knew our story and sometimes it was really uncomfortable so doing holiday shows that year i kind of can't believe i did it mm. i kind of can't believe that i actually showed up to self-weavings but it felt like something that i was already committed to and so i just let it happen and um then when they weren't traumatic experiences that i think kind of gave me a little bit of confidence to continue after that um i remember i met um Sorry, this whole conversation no. has shifted. Yeah, no, uh, it's... <laughs> Please continue. But I remember I met Claire from um, Moonlight Makers. I think that y'all yeah. did a podcast did. with them. Yeah, yeah. I, met, I met Claire at a Nest event. I didn't know her beforehand. We just bumped into each other and I... Not bumped into each other. She was... All, they were also vending at that show or at that, like, night. And um, she introduced herself. She asked me about myself and I like awkwardly fumbled over the question of like, do you have any kids? Mm. And I said, yeah, I have, I don't know what exactly I said. Actually. I said like, I have two little boys. My younger one just passed away. Mm. I didn't know how to answer that question. Mm. And she was so kind. And she, I think she might've put her hand on my shoulder and said, my brother lost a child too. What he says is we have, I think they have three daughters. We have three little girls. Our youngest is no longer with us. And he moved on to the conversation. And it was just, for her, it might've been a really small moment, but it was this like monumental, just token of like, thank you <laughs> for those words. Like, thank you for offering me a thing to say. Mm. Um, and it meant so much. And I don't even know if she remembers that that happened, but it meant so much to just meet someone for someone to see me like fresh mm. in life of how to, how to introduce myself and her to be like, this is what my brother says. Yeah. And we just moved on in conversation. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's so many things from that season and I could go on for days, but yeah. that was a big deal, obviously in more than one way. Sure. And, and it's not outside of, my business's story because it's just not yeah that's the uh yeah seemingly understatement and the the type of business that you built and one that uh, there was behind the scenes and there was humanity in the brand right it's not you're not acme corp weaving co of you know 
the global monopoly and leaving mm-hmm. your person, your family, your uh, a human. And so I noticed in the way that you talked through that experience and one that I can't actually imagine um, how in the good there's bad in the bad there's good and uh, in the moment you might not see both um, but it it's almost always true if you look for it and it seems yeah. that in your specific case it could be challenging for some to uh, attempt to come to terms with how there's both good and bad happening right now um, and stepping back into the spotlight or society or events or whatever, um, having had a, a human moment um, and being recognized by Claire as a fellow human is, uh, I do think that's special. I do think it's worth having in, in a relatively business focused podcast. Like those are, you know, life affirming. That's um, that's someone seeing you. And I think that yeah. uh, when you build a business the way that you have uh, being seen really versus being seen perhaps, you know, in some sort of manufactured way is a uh, it's huge. It's very yeah. important. Absolutely. And just kind of piggy off of that. I don't believe in there being some sort of like transactional guarantee when it comes to tragedy and hardship and loss. I don't, I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. And I don't believe in like something good will come out of this. I don't believe in the guarantee when it comes to those type of sentences. They do believe in the both. I believe in the, and I believe that um, grief can look like crying and grief can look like laughing. And Mm. Um, I was in pieces and I was continuing on, not because I had to, not because it was like making, uh, making the whole thing like more valuable, like me and my story and maybe even this business, like this is not the reason why anything bad happened. I do believe in the both in like, I did go to holiday shows just months after my son died because I wanted to, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't all wonderful. Like it was painful. And in, in that kind of tone of, of taking the good and the bad, um, is something I carry. And, um, I use the word and a lot. <laughs> You'll probably notice that. I, I don't use the word but a lot um, because I believe that it's just both. It's just both. Nothing good has to make the bad better. Um, and bad also doesn't have to cancel out the good. And we can have it all. And we can be both. Here, here. I... I like to say I'm an and guy. If you're yeah. if you're in my circle, <laughs> I'm an and guy. Uh, I don't believe in like false, um, you know, d- options, right? Like it, 
this mm-hmm. or this uh, and um, so mm-hmm. I, we are very much speaking. You are speaking a language that I, I <laughs> hear and I, and I read loud and clear and I am with you on the uh, removing causality and removing if this, then this. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you. It's just right now, nothing has changed. Nothing is changing. Can you also see good? Mm-hmm. Because I argue that it exists right now yeah. as is and like it's and Absolutely. there are good things. Um, and that's hard. That's really hard. That's not necessarily yeah. how people are. Um, I want to say uh, the hardware might allow for it, but I don't think that software is like preset to observe good. I think the yeah. software is pretty much preset to observe bad and be fearful mm-hmm. and like, assume that there is a tiger in the bushes waiting to mm. jump on us. And so like, let's, let's let the fear and the fright and the, and the, what might happen of, of you know, <laughs> negative tense and negative sense, um, drive, you know, our reality. So here, here to, and language, um, yeah. thank you for sharing. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> okay. So it's a pandemic now. And people, more people than ever know of you for a bunch Mm -hmm. of different reasons from years of putting the work in and listening to marketing gurus and trying and showing up and showing up even when it's hard and showing up again when it's harder yet. Um, And now it's 2020 and people are stuck at home looking for things to do. And they're like, Mm -hmm. what about fiber art? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yes, the 2020 happening after my 2019 is cruelly ironic. Um, <laughs> but I, I hate that I kind of threw out the handbook of like social media strategy and I just did what I wanted. I didn't post on an everyday schedule anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't, um, worry too much about like what topics I was talking about today and having a well-rounded thing. I just threw it out and was like, whatever I'm going to do, but I want, I'm going to speak how I want. I'm going to share how I want. Cause that's kind of all that I can do anyway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm going to keep going. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, and pandemic world happened, which I don't want to be insensitive, but a pandemic world was kind of ideal for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's, that sounds terrible. But people are home. Yeah. People are bored. People are looking for something new. People are also looking around at their walls and thinking, man, I should redecorate. <laughs> and our kids started flying off the shelf. We, um, so March, just before, well, really like February and March, just before pandemic, my husband, Casey, was working that job that was just kind of a transitional job. He didn't really know exactly what he mm-hmm. was going to do. Um, and my business was booming and I was, I was at the point where it was like, we go big or we go home. I either need to scale back and cut some things, maybe stop producing kits or something else. I don't really know. All I know is that like my days are that I wake up at five and I get Louie, my older son off to school three days a week, um, or we go to play therapy. Um, and you know, he gets home, we do snack, he naps, I work, you know, he wakes up, we do dinner, I work. It was like, I was working at a pace that was not sustainable. And that was very obvious. Um, 
And so that was a conversation between Casey and I of like, something's going to have to give, what are we going to do? And we started, it started as a joke um, that turned into a reality of like, what if you quit your job? <laughs> and we go all in on Ashton's Make a Fiber Art. While the business was doing well, it wasn't doing well enough to like justify two paychecks. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't two paychecks at that point, but it was like, but it might be if mm-hmm. I had the time and if we had the space in our lives to make that happen. And so we um, we decided to pull that trigger at the very beginning of March. Mm. Actually, while we were traveling, we went to Spain right before pandemic, wow. um, which is nuts. It was a trip that we'd had planned for a year um, before my husband had left that old job, before Hank had died. We found these crazy tickets that were like $213, I think, a piece to go to Barcelona, Spain. Wow. We fit eight days in Barcelona and while we were there is when we were like, yeah, we're really doing it. When we get home, Casey's going to turn in his two weeks notice and you know, Casey's going to be the one primarily watching Louie during the day and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to work a nine to five, which was nuts. Um, we came home March 14th, the day that Trump was like no more travel to Europe. Sure. Like it was that day that wow. like pandemic hit. And I love that. I love that we made that decision before the world turned into what the world was. Um, And that first month, the reason this whole story is uh, relevant, is that first month that Casey was home, my numbers tripled. Mm. That first month, it was like, whoa, look at what happened. I had this space. Also, the world changed. Yeah. And our numbers tripled. And then it stayed there. Yeah. And it was like, I didn't know that was going to happen. I had hopes that we would be able to feed ourselves, but I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. We just took a leap and we did it. And now it's over a year later. And at the beginning of that, we kind of said, this is a year long experiment. Like we have enough savings to be able to not go hungry, even if this doesn't work out for one year. Yeah. It's been 13 months and it's still working and no one's gone hungry. And Casey does not plan on going and finding a second source of income um, because it's continued to grow and be sustainable for us. And that's nuts. I mean, like there's no, there's no marketing strategy that I learned that like guaranteed me getting here. It just kind of happened. Mm -hmm. And there's Um, no if then statement, like if you commit, then nope. there will be a global pandemic that drives your business up three percent, <laughs> like three times. Like that's not right. It's not a you can't do causation in that way. Um, right. That is a fantastic anecdote, though, of uh, validating leap in the net will appear type circumstance. Yeah. And you know that's it's exciting, and I'm glad for you. And so when you look ahead. Right. We're almost at this point, almost leaning towards halfway through 2021, which is silly to say. Uh, yeah. What uh, what are you thinking? What's the future of the business hold? Um, I want to do more ebooks. I'm heavy into a second ebook at the moment that would be like an intermediate level, the intermediate level round weaving one um, that, you know, would potentially double our passive income. I want to do one on loom weaving after that. And then I might be done with ebooks. But those are two really big goals that I have um, that would kind of step up 
the biz. I um, <laughs> mad. I'm like, I don't actually know. Sure. I and and um, in a in a in the last two years, if there's ever been reasons to say, I don't know. <laughs> like if we've had we've had multiple uh, reasons to say like plans are not all that much uh, worth it. But it's it's. I mean, having a direction is is helpful, and so the direction I'm hearing is let potentially just finding more scale scalable processes. So whether that's additional mm-hmm. ebooks, uh, it does not seem like you're going to be leaning into making I mean, maybe bigger pieces of art, um, but not necessarily yeah. more art. You mentioned it earlier. Why not go wider? Well, actually, like making the ebooks is in a way an effort to be able to make more art. Mm. Um, to i mean the way that i've kind of seen it is like as like the kit distributing side of the business grows inevitably like my weaving time gets a little smaller and so that's been a a roller coaster of fighting for my weaving time you know and Mm. trying to justify that because it's a little less guaranteed um but weaving will always be the most important part of of the whole thing for me, um, not losing my craft and, and what fueled me from the very beginning. Um, I think that that's another thing that I kind of threw out when Hank died is just being like, I just am unapologetically going to make that important. And I'm doing all these other things and I, and I enjoy those. And I love the people side of that of getting to talk to people and getting to Mm. getting to see them do it and getting to see them like also fall in love with the craft and getting to hear what it means to them. That is life giving to me. Mm. It's not my number one. Mm. I don't know if that's okay, but it's not like the weaving is my number one. And, and so kind of all the other things, a lot of the times it's like, well, that's just kind of the means to the end because what I'm actually fighting for is the thing I was always fighting for is that this is for me and that this is for my enjoyment and this is my practice and so the ebooks and stuff like that, they're great. Mm. I love what I get to, what I potentially get to give people in creating them. Yeah. And they are a means to buy me more weaving time. Yeah. Um, I'd love to write a book, which I haven't said out loud <laughs> in the public sense. Um, but that's kind of a dream that I think will happen. Um, I do too. I'm always writing. But in recent months, I've actually been like, I'm writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of takes me back to when I was like, I'm an artist. <laughs> like that, like hesitant, being willing to like own that title. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm at with writing. And I don't think that I'm going to stop being a fiber artist to be a writer. Um, but that is something that is kind of weirdly a part of my business. Mm. And I will not, I would like to write a book. I, I'd argue, I'd like to publish a book. I think, well, A, I, I'd speak it into reality. Say it again. Say it <laughs> proud. It's happening. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I would argue that the best personal, you know, um, brands that are human, let's say, mm-hmm. where there's a person there, uh, almost it rounds to 100% are writers. Like you, you in the, whether or not the words are physically written with a pen by that person, uh, you are 
you're forced to become a storyteller, a, mm-hmm. a communicator with clarity, with specificity, with power. Uh, and, and by definition, I'd argue that that put, makes you a writer by proxy. Yep. Um, and so whether it's specifically you do a lot of writing in your business, which is very, very common as an individual who is a brand and a business, um, mm-hmm. or you lean into video because writing isn't your forte or you're not great at spelling and you're, you know, there are too many types. So you speak, you're still a writer <laughs> to, to me, right? Because that, yeah. that can be uh, transcribed relatively easily and you can have Absolutely. a book. Um, yep. So I'm with that. I, I, I think that you all have a book. I think that if I were a publisher, it wouldn't take long to be like, yeah, there's, you know, there's an audience, <laughs> you know, like uh, to, to, at the end of the day, uh, you have in the efforts that you've done so far, um, you've made it very easy for tra- a traditional publisher to get on board. And guess what? We're in a world where uh, you don't even need that. Like, it's a nice to have. It is good. Right. It's the Etsy thing. You know, it's like, what do you yeah. want? What do you want from this? Do you want to have books in Barnes and Nobles across the country? Do you want to be, um, you know, available at uh, at um, Malaprops, which is right next to our office? Like, do you want to be yeah, there? That's right. So then, yeah, like maybe a p- traditional publisher is going to be like really helpful in that. I think that like a book is a business card more often than not. And I think that like eBooks, mm. when it comes to like really learning a thing, typically eBook probably will handle it for me. Like, I don't know if I need the additional hundreds of pages to to cra- like to grasp the essence but books are specific and special and powerful and they do uh build relationships in a way that is not possible in other senses uh, I, I i love i'm fascinated by 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 book writing and by authors and by modern publishing uh and the changes that have gone in like recently, like you are an author, you have published things, people have paid for your work. Incredible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. And no Absolutely. publisher, no book publisher can take that from you. And now it's like, well, what's yeah. next? It's amazing. Yeah. <sighs> Final <laughs> phase in this conversation is on Asheville. I'd love to hear. Uh, I do the this question of, uh, it's a Venn diagram. You have Asheville, you have mm-hmm. community, what shows up when we make that Venn diagram for you? Um, oh, gosh. I mean, I think that moving to Asheville for sure played a hand in me venturing out into creativity and being an artist. I think that that's just part of the spirit of the air here. Mm. Um and I think that that's a huge part of my story, um, kind of in an unrelated way. We got involved with Young Life when we first moved here. That's how we met kind of some of, the, some of our first friends. We have a church that we really love, um, the Gathering Asheville. And that's where a lot of our community comes from as far as like our everyday life goes. Um, but, you know, I have a, a handful of business owners that I love and um yeah whole donuts whole mm. donuts is one of our spots we we love the people there larry shout out to larry if you ever listen to this <laughs> i don't know if you're in the hole but larry's basically the face of the franchise mm-hmm. um and yeah we love our people here Asheville is home for sure some of our best friends are moving away right now 
and that's really sad but there's nothing in us that is like we're just gonna go with them we're like Mm. no this is our home Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it is where it's where we grew up i was 21 Mm. when we got married and moved here casey was 23 i mean we were babies and so it's like we legitimately became adults here and grew up (laughs) amazing um heard i well, for what it's worth i was i think 30 or right around there when i moved here and i feel like this is where i'm growing up too like there's so mm-hmm. much uh in my in my own small little circle of like so much evolution that can happen if you uh if you allow it like if you yes. if you if you want it and if you uh, uh you know receive it and i'm wondering you know you mentioned whole do you have any favorite specific to Asheville things that stand out for you? Ooh, um, I mean, we, I love just wandering on foot in downtown and more so before we have kids, but like, I love just going somewhere new every time. Like, mm-hmm. let's just walk around and let's pick a cool restaurant and let's try it. Um, the chocolate lounge will always have a special place in my heart. Mm. Um, Craggy Gardens is the best lookout spot if you're in hiking at all. Not that that's like a huge hike, but when I think of like Asheville scenery, scenery I'm like, yeah. that's it. That is my space. Um, trying to think of any other specifics. We go all over. Sure. We love it all. I heard. And so um, speaking of all over, you are all over the internet. If our <laughs> listener wanted to, you know, follow you, uh, subscribe, listen, look, where where might they go to find you? So Instagram, um, my handle is at Ashton Zager Fiber Art. And then my website is www.ashtonzagerfiberart.com. Hmm. And yeah, I keep it pretty simple because there aren't that many Ashton Zagers out there, but <laughs> That's uh, the main places you can find me. Perfect. Uh, I'm not I, really on anything else. No Twitter, no, no, no TikTok. Sorry. <laughs> TikTok would probably love you, though, uh, for, for what that's <laughs> worth. I'm starting to get uh, sucked into the void, to the black hole of TikTok. It is a dangerous Casey. place. Um, I told Casey he needs to put us on TikTok. I've handed that over to him. <laughs> Casey, come on. He's fun and, and more with it than I am. Yeah. I'm like, what? you can do that part. Heard, heard. <laughs> I'll do um, Instagram. I love it, and I am so thankful for your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was great.